You're listening to DraftKings Network. I never knew that this podcast would be in jeopardy because of a uh, canine, but here we are. I didn't know that the script was written by a Corgi. What? What's a Corgi? It's a dog. Oh, it's a short kind of furry big ears dog that apparently can see the future. How does it see the future, Tom? Is it like game of Thrones where his eyes roll back and <laughs> turn all white and shit gets visions a three-eyed corgi yeah is that what we're dealing with here i can't really tell but what i'm looking at right now is a tiktok okay a tiktok video of a corgi at the landing of a staircase a tan carpeted staircase okay uh-huh yeah and a basketball is being tossed in the air towards the corgi in the landing a regulation basketball you know i can't tell oh is this a dog on the stairs i've seen this shit man so there's two baskets almost like trash bins on like the bottom step and one of the trash cans says lakers that has a lakers logo and the other has a warriors logo and someone's throwing a ball towards the corgi. The corgi is tapping the ball in the right direction that it lands in one of the two buckets. Now, you might say to yourself, okay, so what? Is it predicting a certain outcome in the series? And the answer is yes, because the first ball that goes into a bucket, the Lakers. The second one bounces around, falls into the Warriors. The Lakers get the third one, 2-1. Then 3-1. What happens then? 3-2. Warriors tie it up 3-3. And then finally, Warriors in seven. This Corgi has predicted game one, game two, game three, and dare I say game four. What does this Corgi know? And I don't know what we do now because this Corgi seems to have gotten the script before we did. Huh. So according to this Corgi, the Warriors are going to come back from 3-1 against LeBron to get their revenge and win the series in seven. Yeah. Just like they did against the Sacramento Kings down two games in the series. This Corgi is saying it's going to happen again. Wait, did the Corgi predict the Warriors are going to come back against the Kings? Well, so I needed confirmation on this because I started trying to dig into who this Corgi was and I found a website for the Corgi. Mm. I have reached out to representatives of the Corgi. Air Corgi. That's his name? Is it Air Corgi? Well, they probably knew you were going to try to reach out and they don't want to give you an interview because they know that this Corgi could put us out of business. This is classic succession. Are we going to try to buy out the Corgi? And then is the Corgi's stock, which is clearly on the rise, are they going to try to buy us out now? Next week, are you going to be listening to a Corgi do basketball, Illuminati? It would make sense if there were two Corgis. Oh, wow. Yeah. A second Corgi making predictions. Crazy. Can you guys see this video, though? I saw it. Can you tell if there's a third eye? I'm calling bullshit on this. What do you mean? I'm calling bullshit on this, man. I'm calling bullshit on this Corgi. I mean, the video is the video. What do you. The video is the video. How do I trust this Corgi? Because he got four games right? What's his track record? What's his background? Who are these people? Does he do this for any other series or any other sports? Oh, no. I mean, I got some bad news for you, man. No, it's not bad news for me. It's bad news for this Corgi. Expose him. This Corgi is active on TikTok. Of course. 1.3 million followers on TikTok. Of course. What? How many? 1.3 million followers on TikTok. And it's got a video for every series of not just the NBA playoffs but also the hockey playoffs, mm -hmm. but also the World Cup. Remember that? Yeah. Remember the World Cup? March Madness? How about that? Is this Corgi shooting 100%? I don't think so. Click on any of these other videos. You got lower viewer counts than this Warriors-Lakers series. I think we're just catching lightning in a bottle with this Corgi, which is named Steph Furry, by the way. Oh, oh Jesus. Steph Furry? Couldn't come up with a better name than that. What about Fluffy Mamba? Is that better for you? No. Oh, Jesus. No. I would have gone with Steph Corgi myself, but what do I know? Steph Corgi, yes. Steph yes. Corgi, Steph Furry. Well, maybe he has inside information knowing that he is the canine equivalent of Steph Curry. Maybe he's got an inline to the script. 
How does that work? What did it say about, did they do a Kings series with the Warriors? Kings Warriors, they predicted Warriors in six. Oh dear. Yeah. Not too good. So the, the dog likes the Warriors. <laughs> That's what we established here. Well, we Steph Furry. That's all we got here from this dog is that it likes the Warriors and occasionally it gets predictions right. Remember the octopus from the World Cup? Oh, now that was an animal. That octopus, Paul, correctly predicted every single one of Germany's matches in the 2010 World Cup as well as the Spain versus Netherlands final, getting every single one right. Steph Furry would never. Actually, really smart. Intelligence, yeah. I mean, corgis are smart, too, because they're dogs, but octopi are way, way smarter. What do you mean because they're dogs? Dogs are dumb. What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? Dogs are dumb. Some dogs are intelligent. But overall, if you say dogs as a species... Get out of here. Nowhere near octopus level. Nowhere near dolphin level. Are you saying that dogs are below average intelligence for animals? No, I think Amin just proposed that basketball Illuminati needs to get itself a dolphin. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstro, and as always, I am joined by my five-star Illuminati generals, Amin Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents of the Illumination. Fellas, can't wait to get into this quote from Jalen Rose. Is it? I guess paraphrased by Mike Greenberg. Yo, I'm putting this on Greeny. We'll get to it, though, but I'm putting it on Greeny. Let me just get out on front and say that. Greeny tease for a Greeny segment. I'm going to dig into the actual substance of what he's alleging, Jalen Rose, via Mike Greenberg, <laughs> about Miami and the city of Miami this time of year. Because Miami. I'm going to do my own research. I think we should call that segment, if you guys are on board with this, Tom did his own research. Uh, you guys cool with that? I don't know. I have to check with Steph Furry. Okay. I'll get back to you. Let me know what the third eye corgi says. But first. This is the problem. Agenda-driven media. I have a problem with it. You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstro and Amin El-Hassan. Fellas, it's been only three months since Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns and Mercury, has taken over. It's all it took before we had our first scandal involving Matt Ishbia. Is it our first? Jokic Gate. I feel like we've got two. They're unrelated scandals. Because you got Jokic Gate, but you also have Ishbia v. Gilbert Round two, because round one was in mortgage world. Mm. Round two is now in basketball world. Those are two scandals, man. That's two scandalous things. You're talking about Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You got them right, I am. Who is a mortgage giant in Michigan. And where is Matt Ishbia from, too? Michigan. And both guys are Michigan State alums. Those guys vying for the affections of Tom Izzo. Dan Gilbert famously has tried to hire Tom Izzo multiple times to be a head coach in the NBA. Ishbia played for Tom Izzo at Michigan State, mm. which I guess makes him feel a little bit more validated than Dan Gilbert. Like Dan Gilbert has to buy affection and 
Meanwhile, Ishbia earned it the hard way, playing for the legend, for the Hall of Famer. Won, won a championship, by the way. Yes. Matt Ishbia has won a championship in 2000 with the Spartans. This is Sparta. Shout out Jason Richardson. My guy, Jay Rich, played on that team, as did Mo Pete and the team Cleaves. Charlie Bell, they called them the Flintstones. Not Jay Rich. Jay Rich is from Sag Nasty, but I don't think we've ever had this kind of crossover in the NBA in terms of two owners, both of whom are alums of the same university, in the same business outside of basketball, competitors. But it's weird we're getting this little backyard brawl play itself out in real time out in public because Matt Ishbia went on Bill Simmons' podcast and he had... He doesn't like me and I don't like him, right? That's how it is. Business, his company used to be number one in mortgage, UWM. My business is number one in mortgage. Um, I don't like the way they do business in a lot of things. He probably doesn't like the way we do things. We're in the same town. We compete. We're winning. That's what it is right now. Wow. Matt Ishpia really taking the high road of sorts here because it's easy to keep your head high when you're on top, right? He's already winning the mortgage game. Number one. Dan Gilbert's just salty because he used to be number one. Oh, but the rest of that interview, I'll tell you what, boring. <laughs> Talking points. <laughs> Stiff. No personality on that guy. This was the <laughs> loosest he got. Wait a minute. Matt Ishbia, maybe not the force of personality of, say, a Steve Ballmer or a Mark Cuban. Wait a minute, because I watched a press conference with him and he said in his opening press conference in Phoenix that he didn't even want to stand in front of a podium. He's too active, too energetic. <laughs> He's too big for a podium. And so he pushed aside the podium and started talking with his hands with a mic on his lapel. Let me rap with you guys. <laughs> Did he take a chair and turn it backwards? <laughs> Let us know what a cool teacher. AC Slater style? Yeah. <laughs> the press conference was great because he was like, Hey, I'm not going to answer that question, but I tell you what, I'm going to be transparent. If you have a question in the future, when I'm ready to answer it, you call me and I'll answer and I'll tell you. You just call me. I'm always available, but I'm not going to answer that question because I'm not prepared to answer. I wish I'd asked him his number. I saw him at the game the other night. But before we get to the game, I just want to point out that this is incredibly rare for an owner to publicly announce beef with another owner. Now, it gets deeper than that. I don't know if you guys know this. So every time someone buys an NBA team or puts in a bid that is accepted by the seller, right? So Robert Sarver sold his team. He got a bid from Ishbia. He said, boom, that's the one right there. Every time that happens, you don't automatically own the team. It's not like buying a car or buying a house where it's like, well, here's the money. All right, I approve. Boom. The other 29 owners have to vote. Have to give you the thumbs up. That's right. It is literally an old boys club. There's a reason why there's not a whole lot of diversity beyond the fact that incredible wealth of that magnitude typically is concentrated among white men. Imagine that. But it's also because it's hard to get in and most people don't want to go through that process if they don't think they're going to get the thumbs up. I know Mark Cuban has often talked about why he won't buy an NFL or a baseball team because he knows they wouldn't vote him in. Right. So the vote, they had this tribunal. So how many, how many votes did Ishbia get? He got 29. But there's 30 teams. So there was someone who didn't vote or they voted against him. Well, abstention from one Dan Gilbert. Interesting. Yes. How about that? Yes, 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 yes. Didn't want to put his name on a no, but he recused himself from the ceremony. Didn't want to weigh in one side or the other. He recused himself, which, by the way, coward's way out. Go ahead and vote the no, man. Be the no. I knew without a question that that'd probably be how he handled it. And the best part is now you get to see who I see. Very simple. You Now you see who I see and what I know about that man. So here comes Matt Ishbia getting the 29 votes. Dan Gilbert abstains. He gets his team. He's not from Phoenix, so he has this press conference and he's ingratiating himself with the community. And he says... People say, you know, Matt and with my brother Justin and, you know, and, and a lot of the other partners that... I'm the new owner. I look at it as a community asset. Um, I'm not the owner of the Suns and the Mercury. I'm the steward of it. My job is to do great things for the community. It's a community asset, and we're going to do some great things, not only in the community, but with fan experience and just doing the right thing all the time. Uh, the right thing all the time? This brings us to the controversy of Sunday night of game four as an errant loose ball is dribbling towards the corner. Now, if you don't know, 
in Phoenix were one of the rare arenas where the tunnels are not in the corners, like most of these multi-purpose arenas. The tunnels are behind the baskets. Mm. As a result, you get these great corner seats, which, by the way, I think the perfect way to watch basketball because no one wants to sit behind a basket. You can't see shit. But from the corner, you actually get a very great angle of the court. So you have the corner seats. Well, the corner seats that are across, not next to, but across from the sun's bench, those are the owner seats. That's where Robert Sarver sat. The steward seats, I mean. Yeah, the steward seats. There you go. Yeah. Excuse me, the steward seats, right? So he's sitting there, Matt Ishbia, along with none other than NBA Hall of Famer. Isaac. James Jones. Not James Jones. Well, that's the head of basketball ops for the Phoenix Suns. He is. That's right. But James Jones does not sit next to the owner. That's weird. Sitting next to him is NBA Hall of Famer and former president of basketball operations for the Knicks and former head coach of the Indiana Pacers and the Knicks, Isaiah Thomas. Okay. And so the ball is bouncing towards Zeke and Matt Ishbia. Ishbia stands up and catches it. Nikola Jokic approaches to grab the ball so he can give it to the ref and get a quick inbound, which is always hilarious to me. Right, right, right. At which point, Ishbia proceeds to play keep away. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He was a Michigan State legend, the Spartan for Tom Izzo. He was scrappy. I talked to Tom Izzo about him. Scrappy and never say die competitor. Whoa, wait, time out here. Coach on the floor. Look at me, Louie. You talked to Tom Izzo about Matt Ishbia? Yeah, I did. Look at me, Louie. I do some journalism too from time to time. Is your back okay from picking up that name? Well, my back's fine because I dropped the name. <laughs> but anyways, Ishbia plays keep away. Eventually, the ball is retrieved from him, and Nikola Jokic gives an errant elbow. This is my favorite part. The ball pops up in the air because they were both struggling for it. And apparently, Matt Ishbia's got a solid grip if Jokic can't rip it out of his hands. Water polo. I mean, this is basically a pro water polo player. Is he? Jokic. Oh. Grew up playing water polo. <laughs> if you've seen him throw passes. Pro water polo. He's a professional basketball player. No, no. That's the lead. No, 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 Maze. The water polo is what was the functional strength here. No, the strength that he exhibited was from wrestling his horses in the offseason. That's the type of strength he has. That too. Ball pops up in the air, and Jokic gives Ishbia this look. A who the f*** are you look? To be holding this ball. It's a community asset. Does not recognize the steward of the Suns, mm -hmm. who's been there for a couple months. And he looks away and he gives him a little chicken wing. Now, if you call Matt Ishbia the steward of the Suns, does that mean what he did with the ball there was a little bit of, look what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> look what I can do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ishbia goes flying back. Mm -hmm. His arms go up in the air. Cartoonishly. And everyone is appalled. And let me tell you guys, I spent a lot of hours scouring the internet for Matt Ishbia charge stats at Michigan State, trying to find highlight videos of Matt Ishbia's 17 minutes of basketball action over his three years on the team. And there was nothing to be found. Yeah, the play-by-play, -play, all that data that we have, the analytics, there's a pre-Ishbia era and then a post-Ishbia era. And in the post-Ishbia era, we have play-by-play. -play. We can look at charges and dunks mm. and see how many dunks the 5'10 Matt Ishbia had or the, the number of charges he takes. Or should I call Tom Izzo? Because I'm pretty sure they track all that stuff part of the program that'd be great i mean would have been great if you'd done that before the show yeah i didn't think it would be applicable sorry 115 minutes how dare you maze how dare you say he only played a handful of minutes 115 minutes 48 games he had 28 points 13 assists 16 turnovers seven steals seven steals in 115 minutes per 40 that's 2.4 steals per 40 minutes. Elite, scrappy. That's leading the league. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't like any of the, the way this, the tenor of this conversation is going. You guys are out here trying to, like, paint Ishbia as some sort of clown? Nah, man. Nah. I'm with it. The crowd went nuts, and they booed the shit out of Vic Leokic for the rest of the game, and I'm sure he's going to be a villain in Phoenix for the rest of the time. Because he's Jokic, man. No, no, no. no. He's dropping 50 points on you. Of course you're going to boo that dude. Ishbia was responsible for at least one point in that game. There you go. He drew the technical. Now, should have been ejected. 
because Jokic made contact with someone in the stands. And the NBA rules are pretty cut and dry about this. You are not allowed to enter the stands and engage with the citizenry on any level, regardless of whether Ishbia was a fan or not. Jokic clearly, clearly broke the rule. Now, Ishbia, because he's a great guy, because he's a stand-up guy, you know what he did? No, he's a fall-down guy. He came out and he said, I don't think he should be suspended. He made the plea on behalf of Nikola Jokic. And I admire that. I admire that because you know what that is? That's called, I'm going to beat your ass with your best player on the floor. I'm not going to take the easy way out. But technically, yeah, he should have been kicked out of game four and slash or suspended for game five. Ishbia. No, no, no. Jokic. What? Ishbia didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? Ishbia didn't do anything wrong. What did Ishbia do? He stole the ball and he's influencing the game. Listen to Jokic talk about this, okay? The two-time MVP, mind you. Might not be a steward of a community asset, but I thought the NBA was supposed to protect the players. He told me he was elbowing the, the, the fan. So, But the fan put the hand on me first, so... I thought the, the league's supposed to protect us or whatever, so, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong, so we will see. Did it's, you happen to know who the fan was? He's a fan of, he's a, no, 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 no. I know who he is, but he, he's a fan, isn't he? He's, uh, he's a setting senior. Phoenix Suns owner. Sitting on the court and he's a fan, isn't he? Yeah. That doesn't mean that he's a, so whoever it is and he's a fan, he cannot influence the game by holding the ball. Matt Ishbia puts his hand on Jokic and then, Later in the clip, you see Isaiah Thomas grab Jokic and pull him away. Everyone seems to feel like they can touch this guy. There's a guy who comes two seats behind Ishbia, gives Jokic a shove. Some dude holding his beverage of the night gets that liquid courage to go push Jokic, who's seven feet tall, who's got two brothers who are basically the scariest people in the NBA world besides James Johnson. Guess who isn't scared? The people of Phoenix behind fearless community asset steward, Matt Ishbia. Let me tell you this right now. First of all, Ishbia might be a steward of the community asset. Isaiah Thomas is a steward of the game. Let's get that out there. He's allowed to do that. You're not going to tell Isaiah Thomas not to get involved. I'm not going to tell him that. You want to tell him that? I could tell him that you told him that, but I'm not telling him that. That's one. Wait, do you have like a group chat with Isaiah and Tom Izzo? No, 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 no. separate chats. No, separate chats. Isaiah, shout out to Sherlin Champagne. Great champagne. Straight from the Champagne region of France. That's how you know it's real champagne. Not like some of these other sparkling wines out here. Not going to name names. Andre? <laughs> Iguodala? <laughs> Number two, I worked for Isaiah Thomas. A lot of people don't know that. I worked for Isaiah Thomas years and years ago. Oh, here it is. Okay. Okay. Me and Zeke, that's one of my mentors in the game. So I'm never going to say anything like he can't shove an overzealous MVP, who, by the way, Ispia does not owe any debt to Jokic to hand him the ball. What? Yes. Any debt? Debt? What are you talking about? Why is he holding the ball? Debt free, because he's waiting for the official to come get it. Throw him the ball then. Throw it on the court. You're not a player. Someone could step on it and get hurt. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> what are we doing here? This is stunning. This is not the angle I expected Amin to take. Wow. This is not an angle I expected you guys to take. If this is a normal fan, a person who is one of the community in Phoenix holding the ball, you don't think that person's getting kicked out? For sure. No. He tried to give it to Never allow back in the arena. Get rid of him. He didn't try to give it to anybody. When a player tried to take it out, he pulled it away from the player. Yeah. Not just any player. This isn't Austin Rivers. This is the two-time reigning MVP. I guess not reigning anymore. Take that shit. Hold that. But you get my point. Maybe Isaiah Thomas was pulling at the jersey because it seems that Nikola Jokic, everybody wants to touch him. Have you seen this story coming out of Denver? What's that? Mark Kisla, a longtime columnist for the Denver Post. Sorry, Mr. Joel Embiid, but we all know Nikola Jokic is the real MVP of everyday Budweiser drinking peeps. That's the headline of the story. The subheader is to know how big a goofball this Joker really is requires only one innocent peek at his underwear. What? So was Isaiah Thomas 
trying to get a peek of his underwear, just like everybody else. So, okay, I'm rewatching this video because you guys are out here just tripping, right? This is what happened. Josh Akogi dives for the loose ball, lands in the lap of a couple of gentlemen who are, I believe, guests of Ishbia. They have partner credentials on. But they're paper, so that means they're guests, probably. Are they your guests? Is that why you're caping for him so much here? I'm not a partner, so no, I'm not. I mean, not yet. But anyways, Josh Okoge, who is a player for the community asset that Matt Ishby is stewards for, is like sprawling. Ishby has got the ball in his hands because he caught it. But he's like, yo, I care about our players. I care about their welfare. And so he's trying to help them on his feet. There's a poor camera guy right there is getting trampled if he had two hands available to him he would be a lot more capable of helping his player cared about the player he'd put the ball down pick up the player this whole idea that he was so concerned over one of his players and sprawled out that he had to hold on to the ball no if he was so concerned about his well-being, he's dropping that ball. Oh, can I help you up with both of my hands? I don't want to have any sort of compromise by the fact that I'm holding this game ball when I have a, a poor human being over here that I need to go help up. Hey, here's an idea. This isn't pickup ball where I can just pick up the ball and, and toss it in and we're live. This isn't soccer where I can just pick up the ball and throw it inbound. You got to check it to the ref anyway. So here's an idea, Jokic. How about you relax? How about you chill? But this is pickup ball because Matt Ishbia picked up the ball. And then fell down, wailing his arms in the air, looking for a flop. You know what? I don't know about you guys. If you've ever been shoved by a seven-footer, that shit is not a light touch. That's not a light tap. That's why he went all Joe got a... Yeah. <laughs> like there's a banana peel behind him. It's like Amin El Hassan trying to do... The American Ninja Warrior. Oh, the hell with you. <laughs> well, Limitless certainly does not refer to his potential in American Ninja Warrior. It refers to his ability to fall on the first obstacle, Akbar. Amin! Come on! Amin Al Hassan. The hell with you. That's how I know you're not serious. Shouts the Black Dragon Roll. <laughs> Jerome! That's how I know you're not serious. You're just trolling. Wait a minute. I am serious. Don't call me Shirley. When you look at what Matt Ishbia did, did he talk post-game? This guy's so available. He's willing to talk and answer questions. We learned that from the press conference. He's here for everybody. He said he's willing to answer questions until he's not willing to answer questions. But when he is willing to answer questions, he'll answer questions. Why is that so confusing? Finally had his statement, and he comes out with a very strategic, very savvy statement the next day, like you said. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, who's advising him on this? Because that was a savvy move. He didn't get suspended. Matt Ishbia didn't get suspended. And Jokic didn't get suspended. And we play on as if nothing ever happened. A very savvy PR move by Matt Ishbia saying, hey, everything's cool. I have no ill will towards Nikola Jokic. I want him back out there. Nice PR move. Wonder who his PR guy is. Who is his PR guy? Let's go to the press conference. Gives a shout out to Adam Mendelson. Those who don't know that name. That is LeBron James's longtime PR guy advising Matt Ishbia in the NBA playoffs on how to conduct his business affairs in the PR space. Think about that. Matt Ishbia becomes the owner, and not only is he an owner and taking shots at Dan Gilbert, but he has hired LeBron's PR guy to advise him on such matters. You know what? I'm coming around on Matt Ishbia. He's got some serious, what's the word I'm looking for? Gumption? Chutzpah. Chutzpah. Just what you're looking for in a good steward. A great steward. A great steward, yeah. I'm just still hung up on this dude. The column. <laughs> Denver Post guy. Yeah, I can't even believe you brought that up, Tom. We've got a whole article talking about Jokic's underwear. Like, that's important. I'm not ashamed to admit, Mr. Kisla says, to spending so much time in the Denver locker room waiting for Jokic to shower, dress, and share his self-deprecating pearls of wisdom that I know this man has a wicked funny taste in boxers. Underneath the fine and stylish European attire he wears into the arena, Jokic sports wacky underwear that on any given night colorfully celebrates Budweiser the King of Beers or might be adorned with the face of SpongeBob SquarePants. After silencing Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and the Rousing Sons, who seem to have a beef with a ref every whistle, Jokic slipped into silly boxers. What? Slipped into silly boxers. What a line. That proclaimed, that's what she said, across his booty. So Jokic gets his underwear at Target. We get it. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Ishbia, 
said he didn't want Jokic to get suspended or fined. Didn't get suspended, did get fined. No repercussions for Matt Ishbia, the steward. Isn't that convenient? Mm-hmm. Savvy PR move. But we need to circle back to this Isaiah Thomas thing. A means former employer, Isaiah Thomas, sitting next to Matt Ishbia. You might wonder, is that the first time that we've heard those two names next to each other? And it turns out that it's not because back when he bought the team, Chris Haynes reported that Ishbia intends to bring on Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas to have a prominent role in the front office. Mm-hmm. And then when he was asked about it at this news conference that Tom is referring to so affectionately, he said there's no role for Isaiah at this time. And when asked to clarify, said there's a role for anyone in the future, even Amino Hassan. Wow. Can't believe it. There it is. I was mentioned in there, huh? Oh, no, I added that part. That was oh. a little editorializing by me. Ah, uh, shit. Anyone. I got excited. Could be me. Could be Steph Furry. They might bring on Steph Furry to make their next draft pick. You never know. But neither me nor Steph Furry was sitting courtside with Matt Ishbia at this game. So it's only a matter of time before Isaiah Thomas is running the Suns. That's what I'm seeing in my tea leaves. There's nothing inaccurate about what Chris Haynes, truth teller, reported, right? Intends to bring on Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas to have a prominent role in the front office. Look, guys, I don't know what the big problem is. So Chris might have been a little off with his reporting. It happens to the best of us. What do you mean off? He reported intends. Ishbia might have intended that. All right. Well, then, yeah. There wasn't a date. Bring on Hall of Famer now or six months from now. I think we're burying the lead here. LeBron's PR guy is his PR guy? Yes. Chris Paul, also on the banana boat, playing for the Phoenix Suns. On the roster, I should say. Hurt. Yeah, LeBron's PR guy is a spokesman for his company, Matt Ishbia's mortgage company. Now, Adam Mendelson, this wouldn't be the same Adam Mendelson from 2020 fame, would it be? Oh, it would. The infamous hotel phone call between Rachel Nichols and Mendelson that was illegally recorded and disseminated by individuals inside of ESPN, who they never, ever caught, by the way. Amazing. Now that works. We're all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> oh, man. The NBA, huh? What a league. Yeah, man. Are you thinking what I'm thinking is that we need to ask the Corgi? No, enough with this Corgi, man. If LeBron is now going to be taking his talents to the Valley? The Suns have a draft pick next year, 2024? Well, Bronny's not going to Ohio State anymore, so... LeBron going back to Cleveland with Bronny. We can cross that off the list. If he's over at USC, it's not a long flight from USC to Phoenix, right? I mean, it's about 50 minutes in the air, I believe. Just saying, maybe we have to ask the octopus. And by the way, they do own uh, their 2024 first round pick. Mm, Interesting. Well, see what happens with the Lakers, whether they meet the Miami Heat for a 2020 rematch. You talked about 2020, mm-hmm. 2020 bubble rematch in the finals against the Miami Heat. And if that is the case, unlike the bubble, it won't be played all in a sterile environment. People are going to have to travel. That's right. <laughs> They're going to have to travel to places with weather that saps your energy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What does that look like? You doing your own research. Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing? Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge. So I was just you know, getting ready for this Illuminati broadcast, reading up on things and getting prepped. And then this came across my timeline. Particularly from Jalen was how hard it is to go down to Miami and play this time of year. And I know people will immediately associate that with the nightlife and all that. But according to Jalen, there's more than that. There's also just the reality of the temperature change, the heat, the geography, being down there for three days. It sort of saps a little bit of your energy and your strength. We talk about that primarily in football. I know this is an indoor sport. What happened here? I mean, because Mike Greenberg goes on air on Get Up and says, Jalen told me <laughs> this is the best. It's the best way to float a cockamamie theory. It's the absolute best way. I didn't say that. That's what Jalen said. Little doesn't mean no. Jalen Rose said almost the exact same thing Saturday during the halftime show. We talk so much about the nightlife and joke about it in Miami, but also as a role, when you're the road team, you got to pay attention to that weather and that heat because it causes your muscles to have a little endurance. Uh, it affects the endurance of your muscles and causes tiredness. So if you notice, the Knicks in particular are making shots in the paint, but they're missing shots outside of the paint, in particular from three. Well, clearly, hey, South Beach is your favorite place. Not the nightlife. It's the weather. The temperature, it's swampy out. It's humid out. That's the idea. I have no idea. By the way, the weather's been awesome in Miami. <laughs> I've been in Miami like the last... I don't know how many months I've been going every week. You literally did this trip. Yeah. New York to Miami. I mean, you might have been a little late, but you got there. I wasn't late. The window just closed on me. The window closed, right. The window closed. But yes, I attended game two in New York. The weather was awful. You want to talk about bad weather? How about gray and rainy and like 59 degrees? How about that? Well, this is part of his theory. Jalen Rose's alleged theory is that like the Knicks players were so conditioned to just shitty weather that when they went to Miami and stepped outside like the vampires, oh, yeah. oh, I can't handle it. It's 80 degrees out. And how, sunny. how am I supposed to survive in this weather? Well, to be fair, the Knicks bench was on the sunny side of the arena. That's a little Bill's humor. Bill's reference. Maybe it's something from the state of New York, right? Maybe it's the state of New York where they can't handle anything that isn't terrible inclement weather. I don't get what's so hard about saying we got our ass beat because we're not very good. Wow. Well, I mean, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. You're avoiding the actual evidence here. I did some research about the weather patterns, okay? And the weather report in New York versus Miami. Are we getting into meteorology on this podcast? Yes. We're branching out. Oh, meteorology, Illuminati. And what I found was Sunday, April 30th, game one had a high of 62 in New York. The next day, high of 62. The next day, 57, frigid 57. And then on Friday, we find out from the New York Knicks Twitter feed when exactly they flew to Miami. And not only when, it's about 4.30, we got to see the kind of clothes that the players were wearing to see how cold it was outside. Not just confirming that when they left, it was 60 degrees out. I can see that Evan Fournier is wearing a t-shirt. Other players are wearing hoodies and sweatpants. Mm -hmm. but Evan Fournier is saying, you know what? I'm okay with this cold weather. I'm going to walk outside in my t-shirt. I don't need a sweatshirt. It's not that cold. To be fair, Paris is known for its awful shitty weather this time of year too. It's gray, it's rainy, it's cold. Then the sun will come out one day and it'll be great. And then it'll go back to being gray and rainy and cold. And then in Miami, here were the highs. 88. Draining. Oh, 87. 84. Sapped. Oh, the energy's leaving me right now. Oh. I actually did the research, wunderground.com, tracking the average historical temperature in Miami. 
Friday, May 5th, 1.9 degrees warmer than usual in Miami. 2.3 degrees warmer the next day in game three. Two degrees warmer than usual Miami was. And 0.6 degrees warmer on Sunday, May 7th. And on May 8th, game four, it was 0.6 degrees warmer than normal. 84 degrees, the high. How are you supposed to play in that kind of heat? (laughs) I'm curious as far as like, what Greeny and slash or Jalen think is, all right, this is the perfect playoff road. You play Cleveland in the first round. You play Toronto in the second round. And then in the conference finals, you play against the Siberian mush puppies. And eventually you play the finals against Santa's reindeer. Yes. What the f*** did they think? And then in the finals, game seven is on Pluto. Yes. <laughs> Further even. Colder. <laughs> Here's another thing. When has Jalen ever played in the playoffs in Miami? Never, right? He's never played in the playoffs in Miami. Do I have that wrong? I'm glad you asked that, I mean, because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wait a minute. Greeny is not only paraphrasing what Jalen is saying, but is he just making things up that Jalen has experienced playing in the playoffs or playing in Miami at this time of year? I looked this up and Jalen Rose never played a single playoff game on the road in Miami in his career. What's the latest he's ever played against Miami in his life? April 18th, 1999. To be fair, if I were Jalen, I would say, what's the latest you guys have ever played against Miami? Wait a second, you <laughs> never played against Miami. Strip. Case closed. Right, that's the great rebuttal that I'm preempting for Jalen. 16 points in that game. It was a loss. 16 points. Indiana Pacers played at Miami. He shot six for 16. shooting, two for three from downtown. So this idea that the Knicks are going cold because they lost all their energy and their endurance, all that stamina, their fatigue, they're dehydrated. Jalen Rose didn't seem to have a problem April 18th, 1999, shooting two for three downtown. And then April 14th, two games in April in his career in Miami. April 14th, 2000, Indiana Pacers won 105 to 101. 8 of 13 shooting, hmm, 61% shooting from Jalen Rose, one for one from downtown, which means, Amin and Mays, and those who are listening to this research, that Jalen Rose, who has never played in the playoffs in Miami, in his two games in April in Miami, he shot three of four. He's coming from Indiana in these trips. He's going from Indiana, which, yes, Indiana in April. To be clear, it's tropical. It's tropical in Indiana in April. It's not like New York at all in May. That's right. In the game of 2000, Reggie Miller endured such dehydration that he made all three of his three-pointers. Travis Best went one for one from downtown. The team, the Pacers, shot seven of 13 from downtown. And the Miami Heat, in that game, they shot two for 13 from downtown. Mm. Don't know if that holds up. I don't know if this theory holds up at all. I'm looking back at the data, and I'm not seeing you know this theory being backed up by any sort of evidence. But is there more research to be done, Tom? I mean, isn't that pretty much... There it is. Open and shut case, Johnson. Jalen. Well, I was wondering, I mean, if Miami has a distinct home court advantage in the playoffs. Because what Jalen is saying is that it's really hard to play in Miami this time of year. That the Knicks, ugh, really tough go. That they have to go down to Miami and play in Miami this time of year. It's not about the nightlife, okay? It's not about going to live or anything like that. It's just about the weather. So I wanted to look this up. I wanted to research, forget about Jalen Rose's career. I want to know about everyone's career. Every team in the NBA, what is their playoff home win percentage? And what is their road playoff win percentage? Who has the biggest home court advantage in the NBA, according to their entire playoff history? And I wanted to figure out if the Miami Heat have an unfair advantage because of that geography that Mike Greenberg alleges. Here's the problem. You know who has good home court advantage in the playoffs? Great teams that win a lot of playoff games. I haven't seen anything. I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know anything. Time hasn't told me anything. It would appear to me that, uh, off the top of my head, greatest home playoff records will be Boston, L.A., San Antonio, Chicago. I'm not looking at that, though. I mean, what are you looking at? I'm looking at their home win percentage compared to their road win percentage. Oh, like the Delta. So the same teams are playing home and road. And while it might not be perfectly aligned that you have even number of home and road 
games in a postseason. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at who has the biggest delta, the biggest change from home to away. So that would basically boil down who has the best home court advantage or the flip side, the worst road disadvantage. Because mm. if you're looking at the difference, it might be that the team can't play on the road versus playing at home. But I wanted to ask you, Amin and Maze, start opening up that third eye. Go look at that Corgi video. Look at how open that third eye is in this Lakers and Warriors series and try to match it and tell me which team has the biggest home court advantage compared to how they play on the road in playoff history. All 30 teams. Which one is it? Who has the best home court advantage? The best home court advantage. The biggest delta between home and road record in the playoffs. And I'm not talking about franchise history where OKC and Seattle are grouped together. I'm just talking about OKC. Okay. Or... Memphis, since Memphis went to Memphis instead of Vancouver, although Vancouver never went to the playoffs. You get the idea, I mean. I'm going to guess Utah. Utah, there you go. That's a good answer, right? Good answer. I'm going to go with narrative symmetry and say the Knicks. Wow. You guys are really good at this. Utah is second Mm. on the list. Oh, man. With a 97 and 50 record at home, a 660 win percentage at home, and 38 and 107 on the road wow. in the playoffs. Jazz doesn't travel. Win percentage of 262, a difference of 398. So there's someone with a worse split than that. And it's not the Knicks. Oh. The Knicks are at fifth. They're top five home court advantage. CT5. Well, Tom, did you track all of the road games where it was hotter than New York? Because <laughs> if you just do that, it's through the roof. I didn't know. I got to ask Greeny. So the Knicks, 128 and 64 at home and 64 and 131 on the road, a difference of 339. There is a team out there that has a bigger split between home and road win percentage. Does anyone want to take another stab here? I mean, Denver, Denver, checking in at sixth, Ooh. 61 and 45 at home, 27 and 86 on the road, a difference of 336. The aforementioned OKC is checking in at number four. Uh huh. Number three is New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Number one, drum roll. Portland Trailblazers. Wow. Oh, that was my next guess. One is Blazers. Two is Jazz. Three is New Orleans, four is OKC, five is New York, six is Denver. It seems to me that if you are a small market or you're the Knicks, Mm. (laughs) this thing really kicks in. A small market team wearing the costume of the biggest market in the world. That's right. So Portland at home, get this, Portland at home, 86 and 49 in playoff history. This is all according to StatHead.com. Thank you, StatHead. Our friends and truth tellers over at StatHead.com. Go get yourself a StatHead subscription. Yeah. A subscription. Yeah, get one of those. 86 and 49, Portland at home. 33 and 106 on the road. That is a difference of 400. 400 percentage points, 637 win percentage at home, 237 on the road. So Portland under Damian Lillard, it's not pretty on the road. It's not. I mean, you know what else I'm noticing from this list? What's that? Not a lot of championships. (laughs) Turns out you got to be good at winning on the road if you want to win a title. Portland has one. Utah has zero. New Orleans has zero. OKC has zero. New York has two. And when were those again? 50 years ago. Oh. Oh, and Portland was 46 years ago. Mm. So basically, if you're trying to win anytime, like, oh, post-1980, you can't be trash on the road. I want to ask you guys, which team has the worst home court advantage? The one where they're basically Hmm. home road doesn't matter. And this doesn't necessarily mean that they're losing at home. It just means that they're winning in the same rate or closer to the same rate. They have the smallest gap between their home and road. This team is 31 and 31 at home, 24 and 39 on the road, a difference of 119 percentage points. Low numbers. I mean, you know what that means? One of two things, either a young franchise or a franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs a whole lot of times in its history. Ladies and gentlemen, the Los Angeles Clippers. 
Ah, clips going clip. I do this shit. Los Angeles Clippers. I do this shit. This is the shit that you do. Yeah. <laughs> You're a steward for the Los Angeles Clippers. 50% win percentage at home and 38% on the road. They are not the worst home team, according to my research. Actually, the Brooklyn Nets at home, 13 and 14 since going to Brooklyn. And on the road, get this, 5 and 22. Oh, man, on the road. So Brooklyn, weather patterns, uh, not the nightlife, the geography besetting that franchise and moving forward. They got to shore that up. But Portland has the best home court advantage and the Clippers have the worst home court advantage. Or you could say the Clippers have the best road disadvantage. I think it's a lot to do with the travel, Amin and Mays. I think when you look at Portland and Utah in particular, the altitude and just the travel, the distance, I think that's really bad for Blazers. But then again, the other teams are dealing with that travel too. So it wouldn't really stand up to reason that one would have a harder time than the other. But I digress. That's the research. One final thought, the Miami Heat are exactly average in home court advantage. Hmm. 143 at home and 56 and 77, which is different, but it's not immeasurably different than the rest of the NBA. So the Miami Heat, the verdict is in. I don't know if you caught this Easter egg in this week's succession. Spoiler alert. But we had Lucas Matson, our enigmatic Swedish CEO, showing up to an election eve party wearing a flamboyantly ridiculous gold jacket and the pièce de résistance, the thing that tickled my third eye, a pair of Kyrie Irving sneakers. No, no. way. <laughs> no. Are you talking about the scene where... <laughs> Doug, I can't repeat the line, but he basically attacked Waystar's numbers by using homophobia. <laughs> oh my God, man. What a, what a show, man. I'm going to miss it. Finger on the pulse, you know? What type of athletic shoes would this guy wear? Kyrie's. It's just perfect. Nailed it. It was the scene when he's like leaning up the window, right? On the windowsill. Yeah, he's propping it up for us. There are no mistakes, no coincidences. The blocking on that just... Mwah, perfect. Hey, we can't have you standing up. We need a shot of your shoes here for all of the Illuminati listeners out there who are nodding in agreement. Yes, we are Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV screen from our couches and saying, oh, they did it. The Kyries. Welcome to the basketball Illuminati, Lucas Madsen. <laughs>